0: The Your Safe Space podcast is recorded on Wurundjeri land. This podcast acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land. Always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. Welcome to Your Safe Space, the podcast. I'm your host, Adele Marie, and this podcast is here for you. It is a safe space for us to catch up each week to discuss anything and everything and on today's show we are doing another AMA on air. I hope you guys are having a good week. I hope it's been good to you and we're finally here. It's the weekend and I hope that you've got something nice planned or something relaxing or something fun planned. Thank you for coming back to another episode of your safe space. These Friday episodes are my absolute favorite. And you guys know the drill. This podcast is not a replacement for professional mental health support or therapy. If you do need this, please, please check the show notes. And without any further waiting, we've got four juicy questions. So we're going to get right into it. Question number one. I want to get married, but I have no close friends to be in my bridal party. Do you have any advice? Guys, this is exciting because it's actually my first AMA wedding question. Now, don't hold me to that in case i have done it but i don't think i have <laughs> but i don't remember doing any wedding questions and i wanted to put it in because i did research on this and the first thing i want to do is give this listener a hug though because i feel i feel a bit sad that they've written this in and i just want them to know that like they're not alone and that it's okay that they don't have friends to make a bridal party and i think it's so much more common than we realize in my research for the episode I found a lot of stuff out about this and I think nowadays it's much more common to have either a smaller bridal party or at some weddings people even have no bridal party. In the research for this episode I found that you can hire members of a bridal party so if you want to hire a groomsman or a bridesmaid you can. People are also out here asking their distant friends or relatives of theirs or their partners to fill in for the bridal party. Some people are Ditching the traditional and going fully unconventional and eloping or even doing a destination wedding. And all of these are suitable things to do. I am not one to judge how somebody gets married. Obviously, I'm also nowhere near close to getting married, but I stand by my thought that as long as you are doing what makes you happy and as long as you are doing what feels good for you, then that's all that matters. My take on it, and as I said, obviously, I'm not close to getting married, but I would rather have no bridal party or a small bridal party and I think to myself if I am to get married one day I would probably have a very small bridal party. I would maybe have my sister in my bridal party and maybe that's it. (laughs) Maybe one of my friends like I would keep it super low-key and that's just because it's my day. It would be my day and just to this listener it would be your day. You've got your partner. The wedding or a wedding to me is about the marriage between two people. It's about you guys committing to each other. It's about you both enjoying the day and you don't want people there just for the fucking sake of it. You don't want fillers in there. I would say you definitely don't want to hire somebody because then you're going to have like this random ass person in all your wedding photos forever and ever and ever. To this listener, I would say don't let it hold you back. Like if you are wanting to get married, if you are planning a wedding, plan it anyway. Make it work for you. Create a wedding that works and that feels good for you. People are not going to be judging you for having no people in your bridal party or having a small bridal party. One of my favorite weddings that I ever went to was one of my friends in Sydney. They actually went and got married at the bridal registry, the marriage registry. I hope I'm saying that right. And they literally just went themselves, the two of them, and I think the celebrant, they went and took photos there. They signed their certificates and then they came back to the venue and we had a party. They didn't have any bridesmaids, they didn't have any groomsmen, it was just them two and the photos firstly from that day are just so iconic and the memories that I have from that day are so beautiful and that's one of my favorite weddings that I've ever gone to and as I said there wasn't any more than just the couple that got married and it was so beautiful. I truly don't think that people would be judging you if it was your wedding and you had something like that. None of us went to that wedding that I just spoke about and afterwards thought to ourselves how weird that was. We all had a really great time. It's one of my favorite memories forever. What I would love is if we actually have any your safe space community members in the Facebook group to go to the post for this episode and let us know if you have been married and you had either no bridal party or a small bridal party. I'm talking like maybe one person in your bridal party. I'll say two, no, one. Let's call it one. One person in your bridal party on either side. And drop a comment in the thread for this post. Tell us if you loved it. Tell us if you made that call and it was the best thing that you did. I would love us to give some evidence to this listener to give her some comfort. And yeah, come in the group and do that for us. Moving on to question number two. And this one is a juicy one. And I was very excited to put it in How to see past your boyfriend having a high body count when you have only been with him? For everybody playing along and listening, Body count refers to how many people someone has slept with. Back in the day, it used to refer to, it was like a gaming term uh, that gamers would use to uh, determine how many people they had killed in a game. So that would be the body count. But now it refers to how many people someone has slept with on TikTok. Hashtag body count has 286 million views. And it blows my mind because how many people someone has slept with really shouldn't be a big deal. And I'm not going to be giving you averages. I'm not going to be telling you how many people you or your partner should have slept with. Obviously, we are humans and I think we love to compare. And at the root of this, we are just trying to compare. And I think the fascination with body counts is rooted in comparison. I don't think it's healthy because it's a game of judgment. And I think there's a lot of stigma still associated with this. Now, I know the stigma is actually not coming out in this question but in society generally if you're a guy and your number is too low it's often looked at as embarrassing and you're not experienced enough but for girls there's a lot of stigma and slut shaming if their number is high and I really wish I polled you guys for this episode. I got this question last night in the AMA and I think I might poll you on the Instagram after it comes out because I want to know Firstly, how many of us keep track of our body count and if we also care how many people someone has slept with. And I would also love to know our ages because I think when I was younger, I maybe cared more than what I do now. Obviously, this listener does care and I'm assuming she cares because she might be comparing the interactions her boyfriend has had with other people to the interactions that she's having with her boyfriend. To this listener, I know it might be hurtful and I know you might be potentially making it mean something about you, but at the end of the day, what I want to say to you is that your boyfriend is with you now. He's in a relationship with you now. He's with you now. What he did before you were together really is none of your business. And I know this might be tough love, but it doesn't have to hurt you and you don't need to compare and it shouldn't have a ruling on your current relationship now or how much he loves you or how much he cares for you. I think if he's with you now and he's treating you well and other elements of the relationship are going good, then potentially this might be like an inside job or a thing that you have to work through or process or let go. As I said, I personally right now couldn't care less about body count and I think the older you get, the less that you care at 18 or 19 versus like 30, I can definitely see the difference in myself. I remember in high school, my high school boyfriend, the person I lost my virginity to, and even virginity, I would love to unpack that concept on another podcast episode. But I remember he had slept with so many more people than what I had. And I was really self-conscious of that. But looking back now at 30, I would think to myself, obviously, I know that anyone I'm having sex with at this age, especially if they're older than me, probably has a high body count. And I'm more worried about their emotional baggage and things like how they treat women and if they go to therapy or if they're self aware versus how many people they've actually slept with. So for me, I don't really care. And it's like a non issue. In the past, I've only ever had one ex ask me what my body count was. And it was my most recent ex. And when he asked me, we had literally like just had sex and we were in bed and I was like, are you for fucking real? And I was like, are we really going to have this conversation right now? And I have no shame about it. So I was like very honest and I assume he was very honest. And We had like a very honest chat about it and it wasn't, there wasn't any slut shaming. There wasn't any judgment. He was asking, I think, out of curiosity. And I think to myself, I personally wouldn't ask that question because again, it's like a non-issue to me, but I think it just speaks to a bigger thing. Where I think, yes, body count doesn't and shouldn't really matter. And you can have a healthy relationship no matter how many little or many people you have slept with or your partner has slept with. As I said before, there are a million more things that are more important than the number of people that somebody has slept with, what their character is like, what their integrity is like, what their honesty is like, how they treat people, how their humor is, how they make you feel. I think even like my answer might even be different if this listener. Was a male writing this question about his woman partner or his girl partner? Like, I feel like it would, my response might even have been like a little bit harsher, especially if there was like a tinge of like slut shaming in there. But I really want to say good luck to this listener. I know it sounds like you might be super young just by the way you wrote the question. And I know it can seem quite consuming or overwhelming, but I promise you, it doesn't have to mean anything bad about you. And I promise it doesn't have to mean anything bad about the relationship. And I am wishing you lots of luck. I will, as I said, put up a poll after this story because I want to know how this question lands with the community. And I like to think we have come a long way as society, but I still think there is a lot of like stigma and stuff that exists around the issue or the term body count. Our next question change of pace. It's a breakup question. I'm nearly single at the age of 28 and I feel like I'm running out of time. Do you have any advice? Another hug for this listener. It is really hard to go through a breakup, especially, I'm going to say later in life. I'm going to say you're not late in life, by the way. 28 is still very young, very, very young. But I think there is something that happens when you do have a breakup later in your 20s or in your early 30s or even in your late 30s where you maybe thought that this relationship was your forever relationship. You maybe thought that this was end game. And then all of a sudden, it's not. Your feelings in this are totally valid. Your feelings in this are totally normal. Your feelings in this are part of going through a breakup. And I think when you experience a breakup later in life, this is something that most of us tend to go through. And I even had this in my last breakup. I really thought that he was it. And I thought to myself, oh my God, like all the other jerks I've dated, like this guy's the one, like I went through all that shit because I got like my prince charming and it was going to be different it was going to be amazing and so for me, he broke up with me also at 28, so twins, but I was gutted because I thought like you that maybe that was going to be the end end game for me though, the running out of time feeling didn't come straight away for me, I felt so sick after that breakup that I didn't want anybody to come near me I was too hurt to imagine being with another person but once I had healed from it, that running out of time feeling definitely happened. And you're not alone in feeling it. And I think it speaks to something. And we see it all the time. I think if you look at someone going through a breakup at 20 years old versus somebody experiencing a divorce at 50 years old, you can obviously see the older that you get, the less time that you have to potentially find love again. And so at 28, I want to say to this listener, you are so fucking young. You have so much time. I know I'm only two years older than you. And yes, I made a podcast episode about getting older not that long ago, but I'm at peace with it now. I'll have you know. You have so much time and I cannot stress it enough how much time you have. You don't know if you could meet your forever person next week. You don't know if you can meet your forever person in three years from now. Your life could look very different in five years from now, and we really don't know what the future holds. And so, with this listener, I really just encourage you to stop fixating on how much time you think you have left, right? Practice staying here and living and enjoying in the moment now, and really make sure you work on that. Because what I worry about when I read this question is you ending up in the wrong relationship or settling for somebody out of fear that you're running out of time, or fear that you need to be with someone by a certain age. It is much better to be single, it is much better to be by yourself than rushing into the relationship with the wrong person, or partnering up with somebody because you're turning 29 or turning 30. Your time is not running out. And I would love to know from other listeners, if you found love later in life, I'm talking anywhere upwards from 28, (laughs) specifically for this listener just so you can provide some evidence and comfort to this listener because I know people in my life who and it's funny I'm at an age now where I've got some friends that are getting engaged some are getting married some are having babies but I've also got older friends that are going through divorces and seeing friends who are in their 30s who are in their 40s experiencing heartbreak again also probably feeling like their time is running out but I'm so sure we have listeners and I don't know if we've got 60 year old listeners of your safe space, but we might know somebody who met their partner later in life. And I think time is a blessing. Hopefully, we all live a long life, as I always say, but we aren't running out of it. We're right on time. Our path is exactly where we need to be. This listener, your path is exactly where you need to be. Okay. I'm curious to know from you guys, though, if you have any stories that we can share. And on to our last question one of my favorite ones, I think, ever. If you have woken up a bit flat, how do you go about perking yourself up for the day? And this is a question that I've definitely wanted to put in for a little while because I can relate. And I think it's totally normal to have some days where you're waking up and you're not feeling the vibe. And for me, I noticed that particularly during winter. And if you live in Melbourne, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's very cold. It's very dark. No one wants to get out of bed. And I also feel it a lot around that time of the month. So there's a day or two right before I get my period. It's like the day or two before where I'm just like, can't be fucked with life. Can't be fucked with the world. I don't want to get out of bed. I feel like I'm a bit of a seasoned professional (laughs) around navigating this now. So I'm going to give you my tips. I will say we also had a podcast episode. It was a very early one that I put out about how to have a bad day, essentially. And go back and listen to that if you need it. But my tips for this listener is the first one. Know that it's okay to have a day like this. Some days are going to be harder than the others and that's okay. Literally just allow yourself a moment to wallow. Allow yourself that. I always say there's no need to rush feeling good or to force yourself to feel happy. We don't do that on this podcast. Just let yourself exist in that feeling. Give yourself I don't know, five to 10 minutes just to lay there and just, ugh. and then secondly, get yourself out of bed. And I know the urge to lie in bed all day is so real, but I personally get up and I make my bed because that gives me a quick sense of like productivity and like a quick sense of accomplishment because look, I made my bed even though I didn't fucking want to. And I do this because I know from my past, it is better to do that than sit in bed and literally rot all day and if I sit in bed and rot all day then usually I feel a lot worse and sometimes that can then make the bad day turn into two bad days and so I get out and I make the bed and then thirdly I move my body now for me this usually looks like the gym or a walk but some mornings that might even be too much for me and so if that's the case I usually put on a song a happy one or a high vibe one and I dance Or I just like jump around and like shake my arms and like move my body just to like get the blood flow happening. And sometimes if all I've got is the energy for a fucking shower, then I just get in the shower. It is anything to get your blood flowing and anything to just start that movement. And I promise you, no matter how small or little it is, you will actually feel better once you get that blood flowing. The next thing I do, so my fourth tip is to journal. And I try to journal most days. I'm not a perfect journaler. I don't journal every single day, but on a day where I'm like fucking fighting for my life, I definitely need to. And it's just so I can check in and I can see what's coming up. Where is this coming from? Sometimes recognizing the source while I do that helps me move through it and process it a little bit faster. The other thing I like to do if you don't want to journal is just do like a quick body scan. And sometimes I just like to think from like my head down to my, sorry, I'm closing my eyes right now, down to my toes. I just scan my whole body and I just think to myself, are there any areas that are like feeling like strained or feeling like pain? And sometimes even that can just bring some like mindfulness to me and make me feel a little bit better as well. That's if you can't be fucked actually writing the journal. And then my last tip, the last thing I do is I take the day easier and I look at my calendar. I see what can I not do today that's stressing me out? What can I push to tomorrow or push to another day that I'm feeling really good? And what can I take off my plate? It's only doing what I feel like is enough and what I feel like I can handle. And reminding myself that this experience is super normal. Low feelings are very temporary and they will pass, especially if it's just like the odd morning. And I try to just allow myself to experience it because I know it will pass again. And I will say, if you... Uh, somebody who experiences having a period or a cycle I want to do a podcast episode on this as well but that week before we actually get our period there's a lot of stuff happening hormonally and in our bodies and a lot of the time it can make doing things like a really difficult and so on that week I tend to take the gym easier I tend to make sure I eat better food or I eat more nutritious food or I even eat more food than usual I try not to do like bulk of my work on that week. If I don't have brand deals to film, I won't film it. If I can get ahead on my YouTube videos, I'll try to do that. If I can plan my podcast episodes before that week, I'll try to do that as well, just so I can take the workload off that week. There's something to be said there or something that I think works there with working with your cycle, especially if you are someone who suffers with it like I do. But the other thing I want to say is if you are feeling these low mornings more frequently and it's impacting your ability to function on a daily basis and get through the days, then please check in with a mental health professional because sometimes that can be like a signal that something else is going on and you might need a little bit of extra help and that's okay as well. But guys, on that, we can wrap our show. If you are not already, please follow us on Instagram, your safe space pod, Mine is at Adele Marie. Come over, join us. I'm going to put up some polls, especially about the body count because I'm fucking curious. But please also join our beautiful Facebook group. It is amazing. We have beautiful posts every day. We have the best people in there. Come and join us. And if you haven't, leave us a review on Apple and a rating on Spotify. I always say it, but it helps this little independent podcast stay independent. And yeah, it helps me more than you know. So thank you guys. Keep an eye out for our beautiful episode dropping on Sunday. We have a guest episode and I'm so excited for you to hear it. It's amazing. One of my favorite episodes I've ever recorded and I can't wait for you to get that in your ears. I'll see you then. Bye guys.